1: Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Nice Tradecast, brought to you by RotoQL on RotoViz Radio. You are listening to the Nice Tradecast, uh, and this is myself, Nathan Powell. We are without Eric. He is in Vegas uh, partying up Virginia Tech, uh, some hokey nonsense. So uh, it's not the hokey pokey, but we do have Dan Sanio tonight.
2: We also have to turn ourselves around. <laughs> um, as, as always, it seems Eric is not here. I think that should be the new punchline because he... Miss it.
3: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from 4.99, logo styles from 16.99 and jeans from 19.99. Shop in store today at Gap Factory or at gapfactory.com.
2: is more than he hits. We all we all miss our shows. Um but we are here and that's all that matters. And this is uh is, it, is we got a little little prediction show lined up. Is that what we got on the docket here Nathan?
1: You you know, you you talk about stuff that matters. Our takes matter, Dan. And we got some takes for our official prediction show. Uh, We're not really quite calling it the hot takes episode or anything like that. There will be some hot takes. But I I do think that I, I, from someone who wrote the questions themselves, uh, I posed some interesting questions for the year, both in the NFL as well as college football and how that will affect the Debbie landscape. So we'll get into that soon. But before we do that – a quick reminder that you can support the RotoViz Radio Network and our ten shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to RotoViz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Partnership started five dollars per month and provide exclusive access to RotoViz Live. That's four to all, that's four shows per month on top of forty podcasts for just five dollars. Become a RotoViz Radio Patreon. Today, to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programs.
2: Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is almost here. Literally, I mean, we're right there. So make sure you're ready. Gain unlimited access to all of your NFL content and tools So you get amazing value, support the podcast, that's us, and the whole network, again, that's us. Once again, that's rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.
1: All right, let's get into some of the predictions. And the first one we're going to start off with is, who will benefit most from an injury that hasn't happened yet? Now, obviously, people can say, oh, well, Alfred Morris is the biggest beneficiary from an injury. Well, guess what? That already happened. So there's no way for us to benefit from that news other than you just saying, go out and pick up Alfred Morris. So we're going to talk about, we're going to just predict an injury that will happen. Or basically just say, if an injury happens in this guy's depth chart, it'll greatly help them. So Dan, start us off. Who is your take for, uh, will benefit most from an injury?
2: All right. But before, before we dive in, I want to preface this with, I'm not wishing ill will upon any of these players <laughs> that we talk about. It's just who stands to gain the most. So, um, right off the bat, first thing that came to your mind that I really loved because I liked your actual answer that we're going to talk about in a second is John Kelly. If you look at that long list of RB1, overall RB1s um, that are what, 24, 25, and under, it's a pretty decent hit rate that those folks get injured the following season. I mean, you look back to the Marshall Falks, the Adrian James. Uh, all the way up to recent with David Johnson, you know, that it's, I don't know what it is. It's, is it chance? Most likely. Is it uh, being very unlucky again? Most likely, but there's a reasonable hit rate there and to completely blow it off is, you know, it's just, it's not good business. So um, keeping that in the back of our minds, John Kelly, who I really loved coming out of, out of Tennessee, reminded me a lot of what Alvin Kamara brings to the table. And he landed in, honestly, the perfect spot. He's got McVeigh. He gets to work behind Todd Gurley, arguably the best back in the game. And, you know, I, I don't know how you could get much better. It's similar to, to last season when Kamara got to move in with the Saints. He's got Drew Brees. He's got Sean Payton. And he got to work with a very talented running back in Mark Ingram. So, um, obviously, that worked out a little differently than, than an injury happening. But I think John Kelly uh, could – could honestly stand for a a huge boost should Todd Gurley miss any time. Hopefully it isn't like a full season type of thing, but even if it's a couple of games, I think we see John Kelly really take a big bump. Now,
1: Dan, I think that you have your rose colored Kelly glasses a little bit too much (laughs) stuck to your head at the moment, calling the sixth round pick going to the team behind Todd Gurley is far from the perfect landing spot. Yes. This is one of those scenarios where he can, he, he stands to benefit greatly from a Todd Gurley injury, mostly because the Rams don't really have anything else in that backfield. John Kelly did show some talent at the college level, like you mentioned. Um, So he's one of those guys that's lower right now that should a serious injury or even just, you know, injury that ends up being a few weeks. Kelly would certainly benefit in the short term. And it's also one of those things that, yes, Kelly showed some things in the preseason, but for the most part, people will dismiss those type of things. If John Kelly has like a 16 carry 90 yard and a touchdown game, That's going to vault his dynasty stock to like a late first, early second type range where, you know, maybe he becomes a sell at that point. Um, I'll go to my benefit most from the injury. And I don't think this is necessarily a unique take, but I think it's just the truth. Uh, Tevin Coleman, uh, he's in a situation where currently he's behind Devonta Freeman, who has the long-term extension. So many people are saying, you know, Tevin Coleman, he's going to leave in free agency, become his own RB1. Well, with a Devonta Freeman injury, maybe he becomes that RB1 before he even leaves Atlanta. So uh, I think that he could he could benefit from you know Freeman. Obviously, we don't want to see any concussions in this game, but you know, those tend to be repetitive injuries, and that's something that Freeman has dealt with the last couple of years. So, I mean, this could really be either of them. It could be Freeman or Tevin would benefit greatly from an injury to the other. But I will say that Freeman injury is a little bit more likely with the concussion history. And Coleman, you know, he he's a big playback. So the more opportunities he gets, if he becomes a 16, 18 consistent carry, type guy i think he's a guy who could end up being like a third fourth round startup pick this time next year
2: yeah and i, I think i think of the two i mean you brought up you know what their one of them gets hurt the other one would benefit more i think coleman definitely stands to benefit more because sarkeesian kind of moved away from him a little bit last year obviously he's still involved in the offense and and you know fairly prevalent but he he wasn't used the way that kyle shanahan used him and if you know, Freeman were to miss time, now he's absorbing kind of two roles. Maybe they get Ido Smith involved or one of the other guys there. Um, but I think you see, whether it's Coleman or Freeman, uh, if one of them were to miss some time, I think you see a, a workhorse back. Uh, in the other one, I think both of them are very capable. Obviously, we know Freeman um, can do it all. We see Coleman on a more limited uh, basis under, under Steve Sarkeesian But yeah, I think, I think, um, I think Coleman's a, a big one to to not only um, through injury, but even through free agency and, and moving on for even further out talks. I think we can see a big boost. Um, I, I think we could see him kind of move up into that uh, RB2 category where some people probably already have him maybe as a late RB2 or something like that. But I think he could get a really big boost from moving on from Atlanta. And obviously, again, we're talking about this season, uh, but just some, some future – Uh, looks at tevin coleman i think it'll be it'll be important to keep an eye on him speaking
1: of the future let's look into our crystal ball and it's josh gordon's january 2019 adp where will it be dan
2: well our our two responses here i'm just looking at our our notes uh fairly similar mine has a one in front of it um i i wrote down 169 i don't necessarily believe that i just wrote it down because you wrote down 69 uh spoiler alert um I, yeah, I, it's such a tough one because as much as I want to see him succeed and I think he's still at least a shell of his former self, I don't know that he's necessarily that guy anymore. Uh, I think he can still be a team's number 1. I just think that the way the Bill the Bills, the Browns are built, he he's going to be part of more of like a spread it around type of offense. They have too many pieces and and you know Todd Haley, I, I don't know what to think. You know, he likes he seems to like to force feed his at least top two, but at the same time, there's so many pe- attractive pieces there. You look, you know, the backfield. You have Carlos Hyde, you have Nick Chubb, you have Duke Johnson. Then you go outside. You have Josh Gordon, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Antonio Callaway. Then you have David Njoku. Um, it, there's just so many mouths, and you know that that defense is still getting slightly better, but the offense is going to be on the field a good amount and they're going to run a lot of plays. And I have a feeling that they're going to, they're going to su- surprise some people this year. Um, I just don't know that, that we can prop up Josh Gordon's ADP anymore. I, I think, I think as we get through the season, people realize that he's not necessarily, you know, the the overall wide receiver one in Cleveland. I think at best he's the one B. And as soon as we kind of realize that the target, the target shares are going to be split pretty evenly Um, again, unless Todd Haley goes full, like Antonio Brown wider, you know, how they held the the Steelers wide receiver ones and in really high regard over the years. Um, I think unless that specifically happens with Josh Gordon, um, I think he, I think he dives down more into that sixth ish round, um, possibly further. It just depends on how his season goes.
1: Yeah, and like you said, I, I do have him at 69, partially as a joke, but also I, I think that ends up being where his range is. Uh, I see him finishing uh, like that wide receiver 25 to 32 type range as a wide receiver three. I don't see him as the wide receiver one in Cleveland. Jarvis Langer will get the bulk of the targets there. And with, with Gordon, this isn't a prediction of suspension because I think if he gets suspended of any sort, it's going to go down to 201 or you know something like that, basically undrafted. But I, I, I think that he's going to show that the 2013 Josh Gordon is never coming back, and once that realization happens, he's never going to get into that third, fourth round range again as his age uh, increases and his you know situation gets even you know uh, more clouded with where he goes in free agency or things like that. So I, I, I think that he's not going to rock it up, but I also don't think he's going to it either.
2: Right, and, and I think I think that um, that you know high end wide receiver three talk I think makes a lot of sense. and and not to go too far away from our path of prediction, but I guess it's technically a prediction anyways, but do you think that wide receiver scoring um, has some positive regression this year? It seems like it's kind of been on a little bit of a dive as of late last year, specifically uh, was pretty horrendous. Um, Do you, do you think that wide receiver takes, takes kind of a next step or do you think it's still kind of RB dominates and wide receivers just kind of there?
1: I think we might be a year away. Uh, it's simply because of the talent that's out there. Yes, the, there's plenty of talent involved in passing games, but the 2019 wide receiver class—we've talked about it probably like once per show for the last year. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's like it's like our Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, and it, there's just so much talent in that class that I think that's when the true like passing resurgence happens. Yes, there's plenty of 2014 uh, 2014 wide receivers that are still you know making big plays and things like that. Um, I think that we see, you know, obviously not as bad as last year. Last year was one of the worst passing years in recent memory for wide receivers. But I, I do think that a true resurgence is at least a year away.
2: I, I think I'm in that same ballpark. I think the twenty nineteen class makes a lot of sense to bring to bring wide receiver back. And I think we see another shift in ADP and and some rankings. You know, RB's the hot topic right now. Um everybody's on the well, you can't miss if you draft a running back early. Well that's that's not true. <laughs> It's, uh, it's going to shift back, but that's what the market does. It moves around depending on where the points are. So, um, yeah, I think let's, let's hop into our next spot. Well, we were
1: just talking about 2019 wide receivers. We're actually going to talk 2019 running backs now. The rookie RB1 in the February 2019 rookie mocks will be who, Dan?
2: I think it's going to be Damian Harris. Uh, I've always been a big fan. We've been talking about him for a while. He's he's had uh, a couple of opportunities to come out and has chosen to stay. I think with um, with probably relatively good success. He's had some he's had some good a uh, couple of good years. He, he'll have hopefully another good year this year. Uh, had a solid year last year. We just it's kind of that Alabama thing where we get a, a whole bundle of running backs and we kind of have to pick through the garbage to find the you know, the one gem and, and not necessarily like they're all garbage, but that they just run that way. They have four big body backs. It seems like always, and they just kind of run them through the offense. And, and I think, I think Damien is actually a truthfully an, an NFL running back. I think he's got the body for it. I think he's got the skill for it. And there's still plenty of teams that need running backs. Even if he turns into a committee spot where it kind of seems like the NFL is going, we have very few bell cows remaining. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs to be in a high volume offense to, to make up for it. I I think he can, I think he can honestly be, um, just a solid running back, maybe high end RB two, mid RB two, something like that. Just again, it's, it's kind of dependent on, on landing spot and some draft capital.
1: Yeah. And if I'm going to make a case for why Damian Harris isn't the RB one, it's going to be that people hate seniors. People think that if you stay in school for that extra year, that there's something must be wrong with you. And there is some validity to that because most great prospects leave after their junior year. But I do think that there's kind of equal on both sides of, you know, over hate on seniors as well as um, undervaluing. So uh, for me, I I don't necessarily, there's kind of a tier of Damian Harris, David Montgomery, and Bryce Love, I think that many could consider those three in contention for that RB1 slot. I'm going to go a little bit of a dark horse just for the sake of you know having a better conversation here. And I'll say it's going to be Rodney Anderson uh, of Oklahoma. They, they have a, a two-back committee there where uh, Trey Sermon, who was a freshman last year, sophomore this year, not eligible. I think he's the better of the two backs. But – Anderson is also a special back in his own right. He had 1,151 uh, rushing yards, uh, 13 touchdowns in 2017. Uh, started off this, his season hot this uh, past week with, he had five carries, which, you know, not, not usually great, <laughs> but th- those five carries went for 100 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, not bad on a, a very small sample size. So I, I think that he has the upside there, you know, of, you know, kind of getting to that RB1 spot. But overall, it is a bit of an underwhelming class. So, you know, it could go anyway.
2: Yeah, the, the running back class is relatively under, underwhelming, but I, I agree. I'm a big fan of, of Rodney Anderson. I have him um, second behind Damien Harris in in my overall spots. Um, as you know, I'm you know relatively interested in Oklahoma football. Uh, you could say I'm I'm a little bit of a fan. I'm uh kind of i i know bob stoops one of my good friends that's his uncle so that's pretty cool i get some in, inside intel um i was grabbing up trey sermon all over the place because i had heard nothing but good things uh, <laughs> and that's that's again the one thing that scares me um but we, we've already seen rodney anderson produce i just i don't know that it's going to be super high volume um this year I, I think i think trey sermon takes a a big leap and then we look for him in a couple of years coming out but Uh, yeah, love Rodney Anderson. I think that Oklahoma offense is going to continue to be special, even with Baker Mayfield gone. I think Kyler Murray is going to do a lot of good things, whether it's wide receivers or Rodney Anderson, it's going to, it's going to help out that whole team. So, um, I think we've got a couple of good picks here, Nathan.
1: All right, let's continue the Debbie talk with, it seems every year there's at least one Debbie that gets kind of highly touted or even just, you know, drafted in, in shallow Debbie leagues who ends up being an absolute dud just from a draft capital perspective. Certainly there's some guys that people Debbie guys like, they end up going late and then they end up being gems later on, like a Stephon Diggs. Um, but, so let's just talk about from a straight, you know, not so, not necessarily saying a bus more of a, just this guy is going to end up going lower in the draft than people think right now. And I'll, I'll start he's a guy I mentioned a little bit earlier and it's Bryce Love. He's the top 20 Debbie that will be drafted on day three or undrafted. It's part of it is the senior concerns. like, Hey, why didn't he come out last year? Does the NFL have concerns about the height and the, you know, the weight Five ten, two hundred two five, 10, 202 pounds on cultural reference, which actually isn't that terrible, but I do think that it's a concern for NFL teams. And part of the reason why he did come back also Stanford education. People seem to, you know, value that Andrew Luck uh, went back for that as well. So uh, maybe I'm just pulling things out of my butt there, but uh yeah, I, I think that Bryce Love. I actually have him in a, f- a few Debbie leagues, but I do think he kind of has a wide range of outcomes in regards to, in particular, the NFL draft.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that would have been my my pick had you not taken him. Um, I, I just, I know, I don't see it. Um, we can we can talk about size and all of these different things. I just. I don't think he's an NFL back. I think he's a very good college back. I just don't see that translating over the way we do with some of these other guys. Um, but my pick, and it might just be because it's an Oklahoma state player and not an Oklahoma player. Um, but justice Hill, um, you know, he's, he's put up some really solid numbers uh, playing in that, uh, that highly regarded um, big 12, which I, I don't even, do they still play defense? Do they even roster defensive players in the big 12? Um, you know he's he's been solid, and of course he starts this year off with uh, just <laughs> kind of a monster ten carries for for a buck twenty and a, a touchdown. So um, you know, come comes out guns a blazing. I think I think he'll be a fine a fine prospect. I think he'll show up and do okay at the combine. I just I don't see again the translation over. You know he's he's okay at most things, but he's just not good at really anything and you know i'd like to see him progress i have a fair number of shares i i you know i kind of fell into that trap all that that i mean that freshman production is it's hard to ignore especially as a as a true freshman you know he had like 1100 yards as a freshman the touchdown production really wasn't there but that was kind of oklahoma state's offense they threw the ball a lot and they still do um and it's going to kind of slow down a little bit i think this year obviously it didn't in week one but I think we, I think we see maybe Oklahoma State slow down a touch. Maybe that hurts Justice, and he's not able to put up those gaudy numbers again. That the numbers aren't everything, um, but it's not going to help his draft stock if if the numbers aren't there for for his potentially final year.
1: Yeah, and the concept of him returning for his senior year, uh, this was somewhat talked about with the 2018 wide receiver class. But if you're a 2019 running back trying to figure out, oh, should I go? Should I stay? you should definitely go because if you stay for the 2020 class, you're going to end up being about eight spots lower than you would have been in the 2019 class.
2: Right. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's move on to our next one. It's going to be which 2018 rookie quarterback will average the most points per game and we'll put a minimum of six games. So not just a straight points thing, more of who's going to have the most points per game, assuming that they start at least six games.
2: Well, this was going to be my most to benefit from an injury call, but then I changed up my mind so I could throw him here. That's going to be Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he gets in. I think we see either Flacco struggle or potentially Flacco get um, maybe headhunted again, which is tough to do on a draft, but you know, he, he's I think he's got a, a couple of concussions on his resume, at least one. Um, and, you know, Lamar Jackson has a ton to gain. You get you get on the field as a rookie. Um, he's, he's still... You know He's still learning some things. He's, uh, we're, we're hoping he translates into Michael Vick. Uh, I think we all have a little bit tempered expectations, even though his ADP has skyrocketed and he's, he's being way overpriced at the moment. I, I do still think he has a lot to gain because if he can't get on the field and he can prove that he can stand in the pocket and pass, we know he can run. That's never going to be a question. That's never going to be a doubt. He, he can run the ball, and he's going to be scary on the ground. We need to know that he can pass, though, because if he's not sustainable through the air in today's in today's NFL, I mean, there's not really any point in having him in there. As as great it would be to have, you know, a, a second running back or even a first running back with your actual running back being the other one, um, it, it's just that's not what you want out of your quarterback. And and I think I think if Flacco misses any time or he starts playing poorly, and we see Lamar Jackson towards the end of the season, uh, I mean, it's not. I think he's going to put up some serious fantasy points. But I also think it's going to be huge for his future.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go out on the limb and go with the one quarterback that is actually starting week one, and it's (laughs) going to be Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I think that we've talked about the lack of weapons uh, with the Jets, but I, I think Anunwa and Robbie Anderson will just be good enough to where Sam Darnold's going to get plenty of passing volume. That running game is nothing to be scared about. Plus they're going to be down a lot in games. So I think he'll just get the passing volume in order to, you know, be the leading scorer in points per game of this group. And he's guaranteed Uh, Outside of injury, of course, to get those six games that I put on the minimum. So uh, I I do think that Sam Darnold is a a solid guy to have as like a best ball type in a dynasty league right now. And I I think that's, you know, those kind of quarterbacks get undervalued when they end up going like that early third, late second range where, you know, I think that Darnold can very easily uh, make people want him at a much higher value next year.
2: Oh, for sure. And, and as much as it's maybe the safe pick, I think we see most, if not all of these rookie QBs that were highly regarded um, see some time. I, I think we see Baker um, at the earliest signs of Tyrod struggling. I think we see Rosen be the second Sam Bradford gets killed in the pocket because he can't be mobile and he, you know, he drops his eyes the second he's pressured Um so yeah, I think I think Darnold got got potential. I think he'll have a lot of attempts, assuming health and assuming that they don't pull him for some god awful reason. But it's the Jets, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think I think that pick makes a lot of, a lot of sense. I think that's probably the actual right answer. But if Lamar Jackson gets in there, I think we see a lot of rushing, uh, rushing numbers put up.
1: Before we continue on to our next question, we are going to do. Our little ad. Uh, want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations for Plus, the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL, your own your your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer by one hundred thousand DFS players. You can be, download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.
4: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: All right, thanks to our uh, good friends at RotoQL SquadQL. Those are good guys, and they will be the sponsor for this question. Which by a low veteran will be a Dynasty League winner. Start us off, Dan.
2: Well, I think I think I've been preaching this for a while, and value just hasn't seemed to shift, even with even with his backup going out. Um, And that's Lamar Miller of your Houston Texans. We saw Donta Foreman hit the uh, IR. I don't know if it's pop. I think he'll be returning at some point. Um, Even if you don't like Lamar Miller, maybe he's a plotter. Maybe, you know, he's not the most explosive guy in the universe. Uh, But they're in a high flying offense now, assuming Deshaun Watson stays healthy. And with Watson last season, Lamar Miller was all over RB1 numbers. He just... I mean, he was explosive, it seemed. Um, that offense set him up for success. And again, I I just I don't understand the hate. I mean, I understand the hate because he's maybe not all that great, but it's free points. It's absolutely free points.
1: Yeah, you don't have to love the talent, and I, I certainly have never really loved the talent of Lamar Miller, to, to think it's always a good idea to invest in an offense that might be one of the best in the NFL. And when you can get their running back, who's going to get basically all of the carries in that offense, plus, you know, targets out of the backfield. Lamar Miller is that with the Houston Texans. So, I mean, outside of another Watson injury, I don't see a scenario where Miller isn't like a top 16, top 17 running back. And you're getting him for cheap that in most, you know, dynasty formats. So I I think that he's a good buy. And I'll, I'll go into my buy, and it's Alex Collins. Certainly, yes, Alex Collins is more expensive than he was seven months ago people still thought, oh, the Ravens are going to draft a running back. I was one of those people that said, oh, don't, don't worry about Alex Collins. He's going to die, die, you know, not be any good because they're going to draft a running back. Well, they didn't. They didn't draft a running back. They didn't really bring anyone into free agency. They still have Kenneth Dixon, and I believe Buck Allen is still there too. Um, but none of that is going to really threaten the touches of Alex Collins for me. So I, I think that the Ravens might not be as explosive of an, of an offense as – uh, as the Texans, but I do think that that offense will be good enough to where Alex Collins will be getting you know lots of volume in the running game and also basically all of the red zone touches because I don't I don't really see any receivers in that offense that are screaming oh that's going to be the guy getting all the red zone touchdowns.
2: Well, definitely not, not any of the any of the wide receivers getting that red zone uh, opportunities. I think Buck Allen takes a good chunk of the passing downs in that offense. So um, Alex Collins has been one of those guys that I've never really liked um i thought that was kind of kind of it for him uh after it was seattle and just never really found anything out of him he was fairly highly regarded from the twitter elites uh, at least some of them and i just i never really got it and then all of a sudden he shows up one day and starts putting up points i'm like all right just like you i was like they're gonna draft somebody that's it that's one year wonder no big deal well um (laughs) we see how that worked out i I think i think he's definitely due for another rb2 season no questions asked um however i i think he might be going a little bit too high in some places to be considered a buy low i think i think it still takes a decent first to to get him off of most most owners um and that's not necessarily you know a, a crazy cost especially in this RB friendly world we currently live in. But um I think I think bang for the buck, I'm taking Lamar Miller. Not that this is necessarily a contest. Uh I just yeah, he seems he seems cheaper. Uh Alex Collins and Lamar Miller probably have the same life expectancy for the NFL. I I don't think either of them are long <laughs> for for this league I mean I mean I would
1: say Miller is safer long term than Collins for
2: sure, barely though. I mean, they can get out from underneath that contract next year. For, I think next to nothing, if if not nothing. Um, and and Alex Collins isn't really tied down in any major way, I don't think. Um, so I, I think it's kind of a horse of piece. and I've always been a Lamar Miller guy. Um, I th- I think he's not given enough credit where it's due. I think he just continually puts up numbers. Uh, maybe wasn't all that great in Miami. Maybe wasn't all that great last year in Houston, even though he put up solid numbers and was just fine. Uh, I, I think both of these guys maybe, uh, maybe get a little more hate um than they than they should be. I definitely hate on Alex Collins more than I should, considering the amount of points he puts up, and I think he'll do it again this year. Um, yeah, I think we just kind of need to we need to let these guys live their lives, man. Let them score some points.
1: All right, let's move on to our next question. This is our last real fantasy football question, and it's going to be, who are the top three tight ends in January ADP for Dynasty? I'll start off because yours are boring, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to get a little takey here, and I, I will say that this has a high range of outcomes of being wrong, but I'm going to start off with Evan Ingram tight end one, David and Joku tied in two, and Travis Kelsey tight end three, and I'll, I'll give my reasonings for that. Obviously, I think that – Gronk, the hysteria over past off seasons has hasn't really ever landed him below tight end too. I think he has been there a couple times over the last you know a couple years, maybe even just this off season. But I think that next off season, when if he wins another Super Bowl uh, or you know Pats are in the playoffs again, I think that's when the true oh this is Gronk's last season hysteria really starts to happen, and that's when he starts to dip below some of these you know very talented young tight ends. Um, And I I do see Ingram and Njoku as more talented tight ends than Zach Hurts. I think, yes, he's good, but I think he's also been a product of getting a ton of volume in that offense. And I'm not saying he's not going to continue that that volume, but I think that people will just kind of favor what they see as the talent. Um, And I think that Kelsey will stay in this top three just because someone – you know, it it would take a lot for Kelsey to dip below tight end three, probably a season-ending injury or, or even retirement talks of his own.
2: Yeah, it would take a lot for Kelsey to dip below tight end three, but it's going to take a hell of a lot more for either Ingram or Njoku to get in this one and two conversation. I think both of those guys are in offenses that they're going to work with the other parts first, and tight ends kind of going to be the fallback. Yes, Evan Ingram, in my opinion, is an elite talent at the position. Um, however, I just don't see the I don't, I don't see the points this year um barring injury you know they, they're they're definitely three deep at wide receiver and and then you get to anger him um I think they will probably game plan him in quite a bit I just don't see the targets being there to move him up and surpass Gronk you know as much as we want to talk about the the uh, retirement talk and all of that and I've never been a Gronk guy and I think I think finally it's maybe getting through my head that you just not do better <laughs> you're just not going to do better than Rob Gronkowski uh, I think he blows everyone out of the water this year I think um, because of how little New England has at the receiver position I think we see Gronk have one of his best years of his career um, not necessarily like 2013 Gronk or whatever year it was that he was just on completely unstoppable and had like 16 touchdowns um, I don't think we see that guy but I, I think I think he does a lap around the field and I think Travis Kelsey's not too far behind him. Um, like you said, it's going to take a lot for him to get outside the top three. I don't see him getting outside the top three. I think, I think what he brings to the table works a lot, uh, a lot, makes a lot of sense with Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I think that offense is going to be kind of dynamite this year. And they're just going to kind of be able to throw it on anybody. They're even going to be able to run it on anybody with cream hunt. Uh, potentially Spencer Ware, assuming health. I think, I think that offense is going to be scary. And then my third is uh, Zach Ertz still, because you're getting Carson Wentz back. That offense didn't really change much. the The running game is still going to be mediocre. Yes, that defense is still elite, but I, I think, I think the NFL will catch up. I think teams will game plan better than they had, um, and I don't think we're going to see really any blowouts or, or anything like that I think we're gonna see closer games where um, his sure hands are going to be necessary down down the line whereas other guys you're you're hoping and praying for garbage time um I just i don't see I don't see ertz moving outside definitely not outside the top four I think I could see engram potentially being the only guy um, that displaces him and the only guy that moves into the top three as far as who is currently outside the top three
1: you may have just answered this question, but I'm gonna pose it anyways. Out of the twenty seventeen tight ends, Ingram and Joku, OJ Howard, if any of them are going to reach tight end one in their career, tight end one overall, who is it going to be?
2: Um I still I still truly believe that OJ Howard is the best tight end out of that group. Um I just don't I don't see how Ingram gets their Anytime soon having to play with OBJ, uh, Saquon Barkley, and even I mean, Sterling Shepard's gonna take away a little bit because they they run they're gonna be running similar routes. They're gonna be playing similar position, even though one's a slot receiver and the other one's just a split outside end. Um, I think it's gonna end up being OJ Howard. Um, because I think I think Tampa Bay starts maybe to shift. They drafted him to have him on the field. Yes, he's you know, an elite blocker and all of these things, and they still have Cameron Brait. But I think maybe after this year, we see that offense start to change and maybe move in a different direction. Hopefully, that means without their current head coach, uh, Dirk Ketter, who is of the probably bottom three or five coaches in the NFL. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's either Ingram or it's Howard. Um, I like Njoku. I think he's a very good player. Uh, I just don't think he's got that upside.
1: Yeah, and obviously, as as someone who, you know, loves draft capital, I I am very interested in seeing how those three tight ends careers play out, because I I think all of them have that tight end one overall type ceiling. Um, It kind of just matters of how their talent develops, as well as the fact the situation around them. Like you said, I'm putting Ingram at that tight end one as a prediction is kind of a hot take. But in a situation with all all the receivers around him, it may be difficult for him, especially with less than less than great quarterback
2: play. Yeah. Well, Before you move on, I I think, I think the important thing to note here too, is, is that Ingram and Njoku are still getting better. I don't know that OJ Howard's getting better. I think he was elite coming out. I think he was as polished as they come. He just needs the looks. He needs, you know, he needs the usage and, and we may not see it this year. It's probably going to take a little bit of time before he gets there. Maybe, maybe it just never happens because they're, they're more content with using him as an inline blocker and you know rarely splitting him out. So um, I think I think the ceiling is higher for Ingram and Joku, but I think the floor is higher for OJ Howard as far as long term success.
1: All right, let's wrap this show up with a couple of fun non fantasy predictions. Uh, first off, let's start off with our Super Bowl picks. Who do you got, AFC, NFC, and who is taking it home?
2: um nfc i don't think anything changes getting carson went back carson Wentz back is absolutely huge and that defense only got better um i i wanted to pick the rams i just i think they're going to get in a little bit of trouble um i'm going to go with the eagles as far as the nfc pick that that hurts me to say um previously as a longtime cowboys fan i never would want to root for them in a million years i'm not necessarily rooting for them I just think you know they've already been there, they've done it, and as as much as you you know you want to buy into like the Super Bowl hangover and and all of that, uh, I think that defense comes to play, and I think they stay hungry, and I think that's honestly the difference maker. Um, top three defense in the league, no doubt about it. And uh, uh, my AFC pick is probably going to be a, a surprise. I'm picking them for the polar opposite reason. I picked the Eagles, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have the top offense in the NFL this year. And I, I just I mean they're they're gonna just be in constant like barn burners. E- every game's gonna be like like 35 31 or something like that. It's just high scoring. That I mean the defense is gonna be atrocious, but I think that offense is gonna be able to hang with anybody and score on anybody whenever they please. Um so yeah, I, I think i think the nfc uh we don't see any parody and then the afc we see parody
1: i tell you what if if the chiefs make the super bowl pat mahomes is going to be the qb1 in dynasty next year (laughs) yeah it's very possible (laughs) and and
2: i know some fellas that have that trajectory on him so uh I, i think it's within the realm of outcomes for sure
1: all right i'll go with my pick mine's a little bit less uh takey i guess uh I think the Vikings had the best roster in the NFL outside of the quarterback position. Then they added, at the very least, an above-average NFL quarterback in Kirk Cousins. And so I think that puts them in the in the Super Bowl, in the NFC. And then I, th- I think that there's only, like, two or three teams that could possibly even make it to the AFC Championship game, much less the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Jags-Pats again in the AFC Championship. And just for the sake of it, because, you know, I kind of like the Jags. Uh, I'll put them in the Super Bowl, Vikings over Jaguars. Um, but I, I do think that the Vikings have by far the best roster in
2: the NFL right now I agree I think all around they, they're definitely the best from from top to bottom um, very I mean the only the only open gaping hole that's there is offensive line uh, that's that's their weak point and I think we see teams kind of figure out how to how to run them down through there um, but I, I think they're I think they're definitely in play for another NFC NFC championship game run. Um, you know, you talk about the AFC and the, and the the Jaguars, uh, being one of the more talented rosters there, aside from the quarterback position. Um, that's, I mean, the AFC is kind of boring and the NFC just seems like it's absolutely insane. Uh, you go top to bottom, you know, you got Eagles, Vikings, Saints, Falcons. Uh, you can even throw the bears in there, I think at this point because of that defense. Oh, and don't um, forget,
1: don't forget the best quarterback to ever live. The Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I mean, that the, the NFC is going to... What might end up happening is the NFC, they just beat the living hell out of each other for <laughs> the extent of the season. And uh, everyone's just broken going into the, the Super Bowl and you let the AFC walk away with it. I don't think that we see a Patriots return to the Super Bowl game. I don't know that they even get to the AFC championship game. That roster is bad. I know Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, blah, blah, blah but that roster is not good.
1: All right. Let's wrap up with the number one overall NFL draft pick, who will have the worst team in the NFL. Uh, spoiler alert, neither of us are going with the Browns because we are the official Browns trade podcast. <laughs> uh, I think number one overall pick, I think this the sneaky worst roster in the NFL right now is the Arizona Cardinals. They kind of have a weird combination of – very old players, and then they just didn't get enough good young players to try and supplement as their players got older and left in free agency and retired. And yes, they they added Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford, and that might help them keep them more towards that like fourth, fifth overall pick. But I think that if Bradford gets hurt and then Rosen gets thrown into a situation where, yes, they have David Johnson, but I don't really see him and Blair Fitzgerald. So I guess maybe they have a couple pieces, but I do think that, that roster could end up looking pretty bad by midseason if with a couple injuries.
2: Yeah, uh that's probably bottom 6, maybe 8 rosters. Uh but let me tell you who the actual worst team is and that is uh that's your Oakland Raiders, man. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a good team, man. Um they I I mean what like Amari Cooper and he had such an atrocious year that I don't even know if you can call him good at this point. That roster is horrible top to bottom they just traded their like best player that franchise has ever seen for peanuts and i i just I, man, I don't know how they don't finish like one in 15 that's a that's a bad team right there that's a bad team right there man
1: hey but they'll have two first round picks so there you go
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna need a lot more than that <laughs>
1: All righty. Let's wrap this up by letting you know that you should uh, recommend uh, us to your friends, you know, say, Hey, go listen to the nice trade cast on RotoViz radio. Rate us five stars. Uh, Do all those nice things for us. Uh, We always appreciate that. If you ever have stuff you want us. Now that we're getting into the season, we probably have a little bit less games, more just actionable. What happened in the week before we're going to try and come out every Tuesday morning for you. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be our in-season schedule Tuesday mornings. But uh, just let us know if there's anything, any pressing issues, any questions, things like that. So uh, that'll wrap us up for today. Any final words, Dan?
2: No, man. Like you said, we're—I mean—we're here for the people. So if there's anything you guys want to hear about, you want to hear us discuss, argue, um, obviously one of them should probably be having Eric here uh, relatively often instead of being in Italy or Vegas having fun without us. Um, let us know. Throw us a DM. Uh, just. At us, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, we love hearing from you
1: and support our sponsors, RotoQL as well as uh, Rotoviz Radio. So yeah, uh, do that for us, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
3: gappactory.com.
5: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash wire to learn more and find a center near you.